Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Crowd on their feet, 47,000 plus. And the 1-1 pitch, swinging a pop-up. There it is, it goes into shallow left. Out goes the uh, shortstop, makes the catch. Cardinals are Central Division champions. They win 9-0, and they celebrate onto the field. Welcome to the show, Mike Schilt, the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. He did that last season on September 29th. The Cardinals beat the Cubs 9-0 to clinch the NL Central. They went on to beat the Braves in the National League Division Series, advanced to the NLCS, one of the last four teams standing. And here we are on March 29th, and this would have been the first weekend of the baseball season, but still joining us for his first show of the season is the Cardinals skipper, Mike Schilt. Mike, it is great to talk to you and great to have you on KMOX. Hey, Tom. How you doing? Good to be here. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Uh, how's everything in your world? Yeah, everything is good to be expected. Um honeymooning with my beautiful bride, Michelle, and... Um, uh, her two daughters, Laura Grace and Maddie, and enjoying uh, being together and, you know, trying to trying to create whatever the new normal is and, and enjoy each other. Uh, it's so good to hear that you're together. Actually, let me go right to a Twitter question, if I may, and uh, right away, because this, this is something that, uh, that came up, but we had a question, where did you meet your wife and uh, how long have you known her? And, and congratulations to them on their marriage, says... Shoe Repair Lady, that is our uh, Twitter account that is tweeted in. She says, two hearts become one. How, where did you meet your wife, Mike? Uh, that's really sweet. Um, yeah, I was introduced by her identical twin sister, Marcia, um, last March. And the rest is, as we say, history. That's uh, really, it's awesome. And I, I've met her and, and really have enjoyed seeing the two of you together, Mike, you and Michelle, we wish you the very best on your honeymoon. Uh, we're here in St. Louis where it is bright and sunny, a little windy. Uh, this would have been, uh, of course, an ideal weather situation for a ball game here. We wouldn't have had a game here until, uh, next week and this week coming up on Thursday. But we know right now that we're adjusting to a new normal, and we are willing to wait it out to make sure that everybody is safe and moving forward, that we're all together again. And when we do, it will be amazing, won't it? It will be amazing. It'll be, you know, well worth the wait. And I look forward to um, to getting back to playing some baseball and connecting with our wonderful fans and, um, you know, enjoying the game that we all love so much. What do you uh, what do you do in the meantime in terms of connecting with your players, Mike? How have you uh, been able to stay connected to everybody? 
Well, we as a staff have been very intentional um, of just, first of all, making sure that our players are safe, they're taken care of. You know, there's varying degrees of guys with, with comfort and support systems. Um, some guys, of course, were here and uh, we're trying to get back to other countries and what that looks like. And, um, you know, you got younger players that um, just trying to, you know, put together what this all is about. And so really just want to have spent the last, you know, two weeks really initially just making sure people felt safe, people were taken care of, people had food, necessities, were healthy. Um, and then now we're, we're doing things just to check in on guys physically, um, you know, continue to check in on them emotionally, and then start to take the process of where are they and what, what are they capable of doing um, from an activity standpoint? What are their um, limitations? A lot of guys are clearly um, in areas that just can't get out, don't have access to things. Um, we've been able to create orders for guys to be able to get weights and um, we send things through a through an app called Team Builder that um, gives them their workouts and and then we also talk through them well, from our field staff about what they're doing, where they're going, and just just making sure they're um, in a place. The, the, the thing that's the biggest challenge for all our guys and staff is just you know how to get guys ready for a beginning date of a spring training. Clearly, we're going to have a spring training again. Um, it'll be an abbreviated one. Um, who knows what that looks like, and we don't need to talk about it. But um, just creating guys to where, you know, usually they're in a December mode or a January mode leading into a um, middle of February go time mode, and there's just not that go time day. Um, so we had, you know, 30 of our 40 days in spring training were, um, were finished, and so we had guys fairly ramped up. So just trying to get a handle on where guys are, where they need to maintain. We don't want to ramp up too hard again, but we also don't want to go too far backwards, I think. But mostly we're just making sure guys are physically staying in, in relatively good shape, best they can. Right, and there is so much uncertainty. We just don't know you know, down the road when everything will go again. But gosh, you had in those 30 days a really good spring training. I mean, looking back at it, and again, I was there for, what, probably a week of it because I did those Monday through Thursday games and then the schedule stopped. Um, so I got to see some of it. But, man, I, I thought your team looked really good, Mike, and I know you did too. I mean, defensively, excellent. Pitching, really strong. And offensively, as you and I talked about a few weeks ago, there were some trends that showed that this team was starting to do what you wanted. Yeah, you know, we really were um, in a great place. Um, and we'll just look to pick up on that place. But, you know, the proverbial small sample size from an analytic side, but he's still relative to something. We were second in all of Major League Baseball in spring training with our, our defensive metrics. Um, our defensive efficiency was, was right there like we were last year. Um, the pitching was really good. You know, it's hard to determine the pitching. You're getting a lot of different guys, different looks. Guys are working on things. So you don't want to get overly result-oriented. But the fact of the matter is, guys are really good. Um, and, and we had a really healthy competition to make our club, which is, which is really encouraging. Um, and then offensively, I mean, our numbers – are already remarkably better. Again, short sample size, you know, looking at 22 games or so. Um, but every single trend that we were looking to improve upon, chase rate, walk, strikeouts, everything had, was dramatically improving. 
the lineup from one through nine is what you're looking at. I remember, I, I thought it was really well said in the dugout, one of your dugout sessions, you talked about extending the offense, extending the inning, and nine is important to you too. I think that you wanted, and you were starting to really make the point that your pitchers can really be a participant here offensively. That, that That's not something that you're overlooking whatsoever. No, we always look for every edge possible, you know, in competition and um, the pitching spot, it's important. You know, I was talking to Tony about it at length and just making sure you don't underestimate that, that opportunity for the pitchers to contribute offensively. And, you know, we, we treat them this spring more as an offensive player. Um, not that we haven't in the past, but we just were able to use some of the things. I mean, we've got guys with, with, that have accrued bats. And so some of the same, um, which is one of the primary reasons I enjoy the metrics aspect of it, it just identifies and creates clarity of, of what you're good at and what areas you're not as good at. So it creates an effective work plan. So in the past, we've had this generic work plan for, for really all of the hitters, um, you know, to some degree. Uh, but now with the pitchers included, we can get specific and go, okay, this particular person is working on X, Y, and Z. A strength is this. Um, and so now we can, instead of going out and just taking batting practice or doing a, a generic routine in the cage, now, like I say, our pitchers do, specificity of what they're working on, whether they work on in the breaking ball more or they're chasing a certain part of the plate, um, and just making sure their work is more specific so they can be more. And also we do more situational work with the pitchers, making sure they, they always work on the bunting, but doing some other things with them as well so they can be more complete. Yeah, they could really be a factor in everything that you're trying to do. Base running is so important in all of this, isn't it, Mike? And and I mentioned defense, pitching, offense. I didn't talk about the base running specifically, but it was fun to watch. I think that, you know, and base running is not about stealing bases necessarily. It's just about making right decisions and doing the right thing, extending uh, the inning, as we say. Yeah, I mean, think about it, you know, common sense terms, you know, baseball, you score runs, you win games. This guy score one more than the other, obviously, but than your opponent. But outside of hitting home run, every single run on the bases is created through guys being on, you know, being good base runners. And sometimes we forget to think of how important that is. And we put a lot of emphasis on taking advantage of every opportunity, every situation. Our players, um, to their credit, have bought into it and are very intentional about wanting to be great on the basis. Uh, and so, you know, we do a lot of research and planning to create edges for our players. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is they take advantage of it uh, and work on it. And it's, it's, been a, it's been a competitive edge for us, and we look forward to continue to be that way. What did you think about the outfield just in general? That was probably the biggest question going in as to what your outfield would look like. It looked like you had some pretty solid competition across the board. You also have a veteran in Dexter Fowler who I know was working hard to get himself back. The results might not have shown it, but again, this is spring training where you're supposed to be working. That's right. Uh, you know, we'll start with Dexter. Um, Saudi has... Um, was has he had a productive spring training, and sometimes the numbers don't validate it. Um, and a lot of his work was really, really, really good. Um, his batting practices were crisp. He was on time with his eyes really early in camp. And what I mean by that is he wasn't chasing out of the zone. He was getting pitches to handle. He was getting into deep counts. 
Uh, he, almost every bat, he was in a 2-2, 3-2 count. Um, so he saw pitches, made good decisions, got good some good pitches to swing at. And then, you know, hitting's timing. It's timing with your eyes. It's timing with your hands and eyes and, and the feel of it. And it takes a little little while for that to happen, especially, you know, Dexter's on a more of a veteran program where he's um, easing into spring training and ramping up the at-bats as we go. And people might be wondering, well, well, why is that? Well, you know, he's played 12 years in the big leagues, and he knows what it takes to get himself ready. It's also a longer season. We want to make sure when the primary – um, responsibilities that we have and I have as, as the managers to make sure guys come out of spring training feeling fresh. Um, and so Dex was in a, getting in a good place with his timing physically, um, with his swing. And then, you know, we the game started to, you know, kind of came to a screeching halt. But um, I thought Dex was, was going about it the right way and in a, in a better place than I think people thought. Um, and then the rest of the outfield competition – Loved the way everybody went about it and competed. I mean, Harrison had a was having a good spring. Um, again, better plate zone discipline, um, seeing the ball better, staying on the ball a little better. Um, of course, he played you know his typical good defense. Um, Wayne Thomas had a really nice spring. It's good quality, good bats. You know, this guy's got some easy power in his swing. Um, using the whole field, played well defensively. Tyro O'Neill, same thing. Chase Wright, you know, our whole team, as I alluded to earlier, Chase Wright was, was becoming significantly down. As a matter of fact, it was the best in baseball um, in, in spring training. And Tyro O'Neill was a good representation of that. Swinging in the zone, um, shorter swing, you know, did some, did some damage. So, you know, those guys did well. Austin Dean came in. Um, we acquired in the trade, had a very nice spring training, took a lot of quality at bats. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very talented group. Of course, we can't forget our man, Dylan Carlson, um, who more than did his part to go about just playing the game and, and uh, showed ability to be an effective switch hitter, both sides of the plate and good solid defender and, and um, capable base runner. So a lot of positives in, in spring training with our, with our outfield core. Boy, he is a good defender, Carlson. Uh, he made a play out in right field where he came uh, flying over with those long strides. Like, whoa, where did he come from? Went out and made that play. That's that's one of the other great aspects of his game. You have some good defense out there. We do. The guys work at it. Um, Willie does a nice job, but the players deserve the credit, of course. They're very intentional about it. One of the things that we talked about as a group to continue to work on and improve, and I felt like we were making strides towards that as that preparation prior to pitch. Uh, so specific to Dylan, that play you mentioned, and another play that was an easier-looking play, but um, it was a big play late in the spring training game. And, you know, I know we're, it's more of an exhibition game, but we're still, still playing to win. Um, and it was a big play that really somewhat went unnoticed. And, and that's just, you know, he started to recognize during an at-bat what the hitter was doing, what the pitcher was doing. And you saw him start to move accordingly during the bat based on what was going on. And then a guy, he was playing left field in that particular time. And the guy hits a uh, left-handed hitter, hits a ball going away from him with the runner on second. It was a tie and run with two outs. And because Dylan moved in and over and was anticipating what was going on, he got to the ball relatively easily. But if he doesn't do that, 
there's a high likelihood that ball falls in. We got a tie game. Who knows what happens after that? We ended up winning by a run. So um, that pre-pitch anticipation, awareness uh, to the play you mentioned in right center, similar deal, aware of where the ball is going to go, gets a good jump, and then let this physical ability take over from there, which is obviously, you know, impressive. You know how much fun this is right now talking baseball with you. This feels good. This feels good, man. I'm telling you, ten thirty on a Sunday morning talking some ball. This is this is what we needed, don't you think? Yeah, this, this is what it's about, you know. And hopefully, uh, it's able to make some bring some smiles to people around the country in the St. Louis area that you know are such passionate, loving baseball fans. And hopefully, it gets the juices flowing in a in a good manner. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back and rejoin you with a few questions from Twitter, a few questions from me. We'll talk some ball, tell a few stories, and we'll be wrapped up uh, about 10 minutes to 11. We're going to hear a little bit of Adam Wainwright. Who doesn't love hearing from Wayno? That's on the way at 10.50. Uh, 11.05, we'll have Chris Blair from Worldwide Technology Raceway, Brian Folkerts of the St. Louis Battlehawks, John Mosellock is on the show at 11.30, College Hoops with SEMO basketball coach Brad Korn at 11.45, and a Cardinals game at noon from 2011. It's all next on KMOX. Mike Schilt back with us right after this. Welcome back. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. It is a windy but sunny day in St. Louis today and we're happy to be with you and uh, we had a good time last hour talking to the Cardinals manager Mike Schilt. We do have Cardinal baseball coming up at noon from 2011. Here come the Cardinals looking for the sweep against the Brewers at Miller Park. Should be a lot of fun to hear Cardinal baseball as a lot of people have responded and really enjoyed that. And joining us right now is the president of baseball operations of the St. Louis Cardinals, John Mosellock, in his normal 1130 slot. And I think, John, that, you know, the more that we can do to keep our listeners feeling normal at 1130, you and I talk some ball and we're doing it again. Um, it's uh, great to hear your voice again. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, you know, I think like it is a, it is a different time. I mean, yesterday I found myself watching uh, old reruns of, of baseball games and, you know, reflecting on like where I was at that time and what was happening in my life. <laughs> but, um, you know, sports has a way of, of bringing people together and in a time when having something that, that makes you feel good or, or brings a smile to your face, I, I do agree is important. It was uh, a big year just to talk about that 2011. I mean, at this point, so the game we're going to play today is from September 1st. The game last night, Jake Westbrook hits a grand slam. I remember that so well. Down the left field line, the Cardinals start to climb back into this thing. They're eight and a half out going into this game today. What do you remember from that moment? So I guess at this moment, we had passed the waiver deadline. You know what was interesting is I started, I heard on the broadcast from from that year, the rumors about Lance Berkman, that Berkman possibly could be moved and maybe to the Texas Rangers. Isn't that something? He wouldn't come back and burn the Rangers, right? <laughs> I, I actually remember that pretty vividly. Yeah. And, um, you, you know, there was, I think, a lot of discussion on the dollars and, and all of that. And, you know, for us, we were just not sure, like, are we in it or out of it? And, you know, I remember going downstairs and, and having a face-to-face with Lance, just asking him, like, like, what do you want to do? I mean, you're at a point in your career, would you rather – go to like a sure thing playoff team, or do you want to stick it out here? And because, you know, I really like it here. I'd, I'd like to stay here and uh, let's try to figure out a way to make it work. And so that's what we did. It's really okay. something. 
Yeah, and you made a trade before that, of course, the famous trade that involved, what, eight players, the one that brought to St. Louis Mark Zipchinski and Edwin Jackson and uh, Corey Patterson and Octavio Dotel, all coming from the Toronto Blue Jays in that Colby Rasmus trade. How did that come about? Did, didn't uh, you and Tony La Russa talk about whether you still had a shot at this thing? And, and he was trying to talk you into the fact that, that uh, certainly you did. Yeah, there were a couple factors going in there. One was, at the time, we we, we were looking at sort of the value of, of Colby Rasmus and what was was his situation in time where where all of a sudden you felt like his value was, was, was shrinking because he wasn't playing as much. And, you know, he was always a talented player, but he was having a hard time really fitting into the system that we had and so internally, we just started to explore what it might look like if we did try to trade him. And, and uh, Toronto was very aggressive in trying to stay on on Colby. And, and so subsequently, we were looking at like all our best options there. And we felt like this massive move, if you will, of trading different players might hit a little bit of a refresh button for all of us. Um, and so we decided to do it. But it wasn't one of those that just came easily. But it was certainly something in, in hindsight that you realize was one of those pivotal moves that, that you know launched us to where we were to, to raising that trophy at the end of the year. Oh, sure did. I mean, Zepp and Dotel were so good out of the pen. And Edwin Jackson gave you innings and some really strong starts, too. He was really good. You know who the starter is in today's game? Brandon Dixon. I had to actually go back and... Just look at what he did with the Cardinals. I, of course, remembered him because I covered him. But um, that right there tells you, and Dixon and a number of starters that year, you really had to the piece together 2011 to make it work, even with that very strong lineup, Mo. You know, when you go back to any season and and you look at, at sort of the ups and downs of the year, baseball is, is like life. There's there's always twists and turns, and, and that's what makes – the game of baseball is something that's so special because it is every day. You have to show up. You never know what you're going to get on that given day. But the, the, when you look back to see it, like who contributed to that success or who contributed to why we were able to do what we did, it's, it's really sort of head scratching when you really like take that deep dive. But in, a, in the end, it's how baseball seasons work. Yeah. Very rarely do you get five starters and they, they make – all 162. Very rarely do you not have something go wrong when you thought it would go right. And so it's it's like life. And that's why I think people love following the game of baseball. And that's what makes it so much fun. And, and so when you get to look back at these years, especially years of success, they do tell a great story. They really do. Uh, that's uh, very well said. You know, you and I talk all the time about the roster and the team and how things in the spring are going to look much different uh, in the fall because that's just the way the season goes. And you answered that very well right there. Uh, right now, right now, there's a lot of uncertainty about everything. And of course, in life, we are trying to adjust to a new normal. The one thing that I get asked a lot is, what are you doing now that sports have been shut down? Actually, we're very busy. And I know you've been very busy as well, haven't you? Yeah, so the past couple of weeks have been very interesting and very challenging for, for us in the front office and trying to get an understanding of what that agreement between the PA and, and Major League Baseball is going to look like, trying to determine how we should think about everyday life now for our players 
and, and what that's going to look like. And, and so just trying to run a lot of different models, if you will, from a financial perspective on, on what we can do to support all these, these different things going on right now for the Cardinals. And, and so a lot of people have asked me, like, what are you doing right now? And, and candidly, I've been – last two weeks have been about as busy and as stressful as, as I've experienced in the game of baseball. I do think now that there's an agreement at hand, things will normalize. I don't know what normal looks like yet. Um, my wife said to me the other day, she's like, hey, can I come to work with you? Because she just I think, wanted to get out of the house and with the kids home. And I, I do think I'll probably be spending a little more time at home working from home, making that adjustment. But, I mean, the, the oddest thing for me is probably the first time in 25 years I don't have a plane ticket purchased somewhere. So yeah. it's like everyone, it's it's having to, to take a step back, take a deep breath, and, and really just try to understand that, that what we're used to doing isn't happening right now. And, you know, that's really what I've been trying to emphasize to, to my staff and the people I work with is, like, this isn't a light switch. We have to – we're not just going to turn something on today. We just want to prepare, be organized, and be ready for when that time does happen. We're, we're ready to go. But right now, just breathe, um, adjust, because that's what it's going to take. And, and hopefully, not only from a baseball standpoint, but people are able to do that on a personal level and, and understand that the game of baseball – like a lot of things, just aren't being done right now. What kind of ways do you stay in contact with players and staff? I guess multiple phone calls, emails, texts. Yeah, so so we do. We we use a um, um, a communication device called Teamworks, which is is something that we we started we piloted last year at the minor league level, but now we do it throughout our entire system, and it's just a great way to stay in touch with with players, and so you can set up def, different communication trees, if you will, and and be able to, to send out any information you want. So from a medical standpoint, performance or strength training, all of that can be done on a regular basis and keep them, keep players up to speed. They can also ping you back if they have a question. And so we're using that throughout the baseball side of our operation. But yeah, I find myself on a lot more zoom meetings than I've ever had in my life. And, and so, you know, again, we're all adjusting to, to what this new normal looks like from a, from a business side but look everybody's having to do things differently and that's the part i think if if you can handle that or or accept that it's going to make every day a little easier and perhaps maybe make it go a little faster yeah that's good i've had i've really enjoyed the family time i have and it's been good to work from home i'm at KMOX right now and just missed a call from my daughter i think she was you know just kind of curious, like, hey, what's going on this morning? What, you know, what's for lunch? I mean, we, we just, you know, we're, we're, we're a unit. And I think that's really important. It is important to just pause and slow down and review what we're doing. Although we've been very busy, it's nice to be connected at home. And, and St. Louis, uh, Mo, it, it, I know you're here and I'm here. This is such a great, great place. And I know that when everything does come back together, it'll be very special. I think that's the one thing we can sort of hang out there, that hope that when everything does come back, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, a couple thoughts. One is is that the more we can avoid people right now, the better. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no doubt that what you read and what you're seeing in, in other major metropolitan areas, you know, that can be scary. And that can, that can be something that if, if we all play it smart here, maybe it'll be... Uh, something that will be lesser or more preventable. And then, you know, lastly, and I, I heard this the other day, and I think it holds true, 
all storms run out of rain, and this one will too. Great to talk to you, my friend. I appreciate the time very much. Have a great Sunday. All right. Thank you. There's the president of baseball operations, John Mosellock of the Cardinals. We'll be back right after this. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 